0: Hi, I'm Miranda Wright with HOWC Ministries. To learn more about our ministries, please visit us online at heartofworshipchurch.com. The Lord, my shepherd. And I'm just doing these as the Lord gives, so they're not in order. You know, they're from the beginning of Bible straight through. We'll just go with what, what the Lord gives. And and I had said last week that there were like 50-something 50 names of God, because I I had a poster when I was younger with like 50-something names on it. I think we had it in the back, actually. And I said, you know, we're not doing that many. We'll do the major ones. Well, I actually saw something during the week that was an extensive list of over 900 900. names and titles. So I was like, oh, I wasn't even close. There's a lot. (laughs) It's descriptions. It's just descriptions. That'll be a (laughs) long series. do uh, yeah yeah we'd be here for a couple of years <laughs> right <laughs> so we're probably gonna do there's about eight or nine major ones so I but I'll we'll do whatever the Lord gives as he gives I had a lot of confirmations for this one throughout the week so I know this is the one he wants to uh to bring out right now and and since the names are descriptions I think that those attributes are So far as we've done them, the attributes that we've covered have been things that came up that were helpful that I needed throughout that week that were were important to have. So we'll go with this one because somebody's going to need it. Not related to this specific name, but just to the names of God in general. Psalms 8 9 says, O Lord, our Lord, how excellent or majestic in some translations is thy name in all the earth. Psalms 9, 9 says, The Lord also will be a refuge for the oppressed, a refuge in times of trouble, and they that know thy name will put their trust in thee, for thou, Lord, hast not forsaken them that seek thee. I think that's pretty interesting. It says those that know your name will put their trust in you. Because the names are the attributes. And when you really know who he is, then it makes you trust him all the more. All of these attributes that we've seen so far, we did Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Elohim, and now we're doing Jehovah Rohi. I'm looking at Jacob to see if I did it right. <laughs> Rohi, Rohi. <laughs> we can see these attributes as attributes of God, but I think it's important too to look at how Jesus manifested these attributes too because it speaks to his deity and to his character we saw it in Jireh how Jesus provided you know Jireh is the Lord my provider how Jesus provided himself as a sacrifice how he fulfilled that provision as the propitiation of our sin in Jehovah Elohim he creates a new heart within us and gives us his spirit to create a whole new man a new creation in Christ. He's still creating. Even in small elements throughout his life in ministry, we saw him manifesting these attributes just in the miracle of the loaves and fishes. He both provided and created because they didn't have that much food, but he created and he provided. These attributes that came forth through his life can help also to point to the fact that he was from heaven. He was of the Father. He did have the attributes of God manifesting through him. And of course, when we talk about the Lord my shepherd, you can see that very clearly all through Jesus's ministry. So, let's look at Jehovah Rohi. 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 25. It says, "For ye were as sheep going astray, but are now returned unto the shepherd and bishop of your souls the Bible tells us that if we know him as our Shepherd then we won't follow another I like how the psalmist says that because I know your names I'll trust in you and if we know him as the Shepherd remember the names the descriptions the attribute he paints us a perfect picture and then lets us draw from it when you know him truly as the Shepherd you won't want to follow another Because if you're not the shepherd, you're the thief or the wolf. And who wants to follow a thief or a wolf? But it's when you're deceived and you really don't know the characters of who they are that you'll follow the other. So let's open to John 10, verse 1. Jesus himself said this, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that entereth not by the door into the sheepfold, but climbeth up some other way, The same is a thief and a robber, but he that entereth in by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the porter openeth, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calleth his own sheep by name, and leadeth them out. And when he putteth forth his own sheep, he goeth before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice, and a stranger will they not follow but will flee from him, for they know not the voice of a stranger. Now, Daddy and Malachi have raised goats and sheep, and I can tell you, sheep are very shy. They will run from strangers, usually. They'll come to those they know and trust, those that feed them. Goats, on the other hand, will come to anyone who waves a tree branch at them. (laughs) They don't care. Whatever you have, I want it. I don't care who you are. Oh, you want to eat me? Oh... Too bad. <laughs> Goats don't care. They think only about themselves. The sheep are a little bit more more cautious. Jesus makes the point that if somebody's trying to come in through any other way than the door, he is the door. And in the sheepfold, the way they, they did it, a shepherd would actually lay at night in the door of the corral. He was the gate. He was the door. And nothing could go in or out unless it went through him. So if something was climbing in another way, then it was a thief or a robber or a wolf or a predator. It was not something good. The shepherd leads by voice. He doesn't push or drag or drive. He speaks and leads and carries if he needs. The way sheep are, if you try to push and drive like you do with cattle, they're going to scatter because they're very shy. But the shepherds, especially in this time frame, not having big fenced areas and all of that, they led by voice. They simply spoke and the sheep followed. And I found it uh, beneficial to remember that: that if there is something that you feel that is pushing or driving you, then it's not the Holy Spirit because that's not the way God works. That's the way the devil works. As believers, Jesus goes before us as the head and we follow the leading of his spirit by obeying what he is speaking. He says, my sheep know my voice and another they will not follow. He's still speaking. We're following the leading of the Holy Spirit. But Satan is behind us, right? Get ye behind me, Satan. So if you're being pushed or driven, it's coming from him. Don't succumb to it. Make some noise, get the shepherd's attention, and he will deal with it. That's what the rod is for. The rod is his authority, and he will strike the enemy with it if need be to protect the sheep. So speak or bleat, as Samuel said. <laughs> I hear the bleating of the sheep. The sheep were telling on Saul, and the Lord heard it. The flock of Israel. I love the passage where it talks about the rod and the staff comfort me. We're about to read it in a minute. You can go ahead and open to Psalms 23. We're about to read it. But the, the rod and the staff comforting me. You look at it's a weapon. It's a tool. It's a thing that the shepherd is using. But the sheep are not afraid of it. Their sheep are not afraid of his authority. Unless they get out of line. But it's really not for them. It's really for their protection. It's for the wolf. And I can use the example, when we first moved to where we live, y'all know we had trouble with the big neighbor dog wanting to kill our little beagle. And one night uh, the little beagle was out running and loose and and they hadn't got acclimated yet. Now they're fine, now they're okay with each other, but at that point they weren't acclimated yet. And so the little beagle's out running and the big dog comes running over next door trying to eat her, so Danny grabs a rod. and goes out and swings at her, and she stops. And she stayed in her yard the rest of the night, not because she was afraid of the little beagle, but because she was afraid of the rod in the master's hand. And it's the same thing for us. The enemy is kept at bay, not because of us, but because of the rod of authority in our master's hand. So stay close to the shepherd, and you'll be protected. So let's go to Psalms 23, and we will read. This is where the name or the title comes from. That's why I said we're not doing them in order. We jumped all the way from Genesis to Psalms, but this is the one the Lord gave me for this week. This first line is where it actually comes from. The Lord is my shepherd. In the original text, it would have said Jehovah-Rohi. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. The implication is that because he is my shepherd, I shall not want. Now, I think it's important to remember that there are more than one shepherd. There are other shepherds. The Bible talks about bad shepherds. So you don't always have what is promised in this psalm unless you have the good shepherd. Make sure you have the right shepherd. The good shepherd, he maketh me to lie down in green pastures, he leadeth me beside still waters we learned in the previous wednesday nights about the still waters about how in the desert where they were grazing when you would get these random rains up in the mountain all of a sudden you would get these flash floods that would come down through the what was it the wadis they would come down through dry river beds and there might be a little bit of water in the bed and if you were a sheep and you thought this was safe waters And you went to drink from it, and then all of a sudden you're swept away in a flash flood. But the shepherd knew where the still waters were. He knew where the safe waters were. Don't always drink everything that you think looks right. I could think of this as in, you know, the water represents a lot of time in Scripture, the word of God. The pools represent ministries and those things that we go to drink of, to partake of. Go to the shepherd to find out which ones are safe. Because some of them that look safe were very dangerous. He led them beside still waters. He led them into green pastures. He led them one bite at a time. He led them to to their food. It's the pastor's job to feed, to lead, to bring them to the places that they drink. If you are truly following the leading of the Holy Spirit, if God is truly your shepherd, you have to hear his voice. And and I I grieve for those who believe and who are taught that God doesn't still speak. It's so contrary to Scripture. Because if you don't, hear his voice, if you don't still believe that God still speaks, then he can't be your shepherd because the shepherd only leads by voice. You won't know where to go. You won't know what's safe. You won't even have the faith to stop and ask him. The Bible says without faith, it's impossible to please God. Those who come to God must believe that he is God and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Why seek him if he's not going to speak to give you the answer? We let him be our shepherd. We trust him for what we eat, for what we drink, for what we believe, for for where to go, for the job decisions, for the marriage decisions, for the moving decisions. You have to seek him until he gives you an answer and then follow the leading of that answer and he'll take you to those safe places. He'll take you to the places that feed you with the right things. But if you don't believe he even speaks, you're going to follow another. You're going to follow anything. You're not going to follow the shepherd. You won't even know him as shepherd. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in paths of righteousness for His name's sake. For His glory, for His name's sake, He leads, He leads, He leads, He leads. By the words that are written in Scripture, He speaks and leads. By the words that come forth in prayer and worship and and from the minister's, He speaks and leads. By what he speaks to you personally in the prayer closet, as long as it lines up with scripture and you test the spirit and make sure that it's really him speaking, he speaks, he leads. He leads you where? In paths of righteousness. So if it's the shepherd leading, it's going to lead you into righteousness. It's going to keep you on that straight and narrow path. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Yep, that's definitely the little beagle. She fears no evil. She's like, oh, my people are here. It doesn't matter. They'll defend me. I'm just going at it. (laughs) But that's what the shepherd is for us. He's our protector. He's our defender. We can walk through those dangerous situations and not be afraid. When God tells you to do something, when God tells you to be somewhere, no matter how dangerous or dark the place or situation, you can walk into it with boldness. But if you don't know that he sent you, or if you go out on your own, or in opposition to what he said, then that's different. For the sheep to stray away and go out on his own, he's going unprotected into the wolves. It's a dangerous thing. That's why you never do anything without seeking the Lord first. Because if he's with you, you've got nothing to worry about. You can walk through the valley of the shadow of death and fear no evil. The rod of his authority will be a comfort unto you. You know, dealing with um, a lot of deliverance ministry and uh, drug addiction ministries, homeless ministries, you know, dealing with some rough people. I can say that I see this and I can see it from the aspect of, you know, the little dog with, with us there with the staff, you know, I've walked into very dangerous situations with dangerous people and spoke a word under the unction of the Holy spirit. And because they were possessed and because God had led me into the situation, he was there with me. His, his authority was there, his rod, they had to obey the spirits bowed. They cowered. you know, the person falls, they they're in submission, you know, and, and, these people who others are afraid of and or truly dangerous were then afraid of me, but it wasn't me. Just like that dog was not afraid of Hannah. That dog was afraid of the rod in Danny's hand. But because the Lord was with me, I was safe because the enemy in them was afraid of the God with me. Now, if I had walked out into that situation on my own, if God said, don't go, and you still went, then that's a whole different story. God will stand with you and protect you and don't ever let it get to your head because it's not actually you. It's because he is there with you. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. I love that verse. We're going to look at that a little bit more in a minute. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Um, Danny actually read that verse Saturday night before prayer meeting. God has been going over this again and again and again and again all week, which means that he wants to remind us that he's our shepherd, which probably means that there's some rough situations coming. Because what does the shepherd do? David is the one who wrote Psalms 23. David was a shepherd. David grew up tending to the sheep. He knew very much what it meant to be a shepherd. The shepherd leads. The shepherd feeds. The shepherd defends. The shepherd mends. And the shepherd goes with them. So, Lord, in whatever's coming, we can have peace and trust knowing that you will lead us through it. You will feed us through it. You will defend us through it. You will be the mender of our wounds, and you will be with us no matter where we go. I like the part where he says that he will prepare a table for us in the presence of our enemies. Because every time I read that, I see the Last Supper. If you think about it, Satan was actually there. The Bible says that Judas was possessed by Satan there at the Last Supper. He witnessed God giving all the provision of the kingdom to us and didn't even realize what he was seeing. God had prepared a table for us in the presence of our enemy. Our cups overflow. Matthew 18, verse 12, says, How think ye, if a man have a hundred sheep, and one of them be gone astray, Doth he not leave the ninety and nine and go into the mountains and seeketh that which is gone astray? And if so be that he findeth it, verily I say unto you, he rejoiceth more over that sheep than of the ninety and nine which went not astray. Even so it is not the will of your Father which is in heaven that one of these little ones should perish. The passage continues, if you continue to read it, we won't, but it continues to tell them that they have to forgive if they want their Heavenly Father to forgive them. We have to forgive people's sins against God, who is the shepherd, but we also have to forgive their sins against us or each other, which are the other sheep. And I think that sometimes it's easier to forgive people's sins against each other But when you truly love God, it's easier to hold bitterness for people's sins against God. But nevertheless, he says you must forgive all of it to be forgiven. He is willing to leave the 99 to find the one. To look at God as a shepherd is to look at his forgiveness, his tenderness, his care his willingness to mend and to protect and to defend. Matthew 6, verse 14 says, For if ye forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you yours. But if you forgive not men their trespasses, then neither will your heavenly Father forgive you yours. Why? Because of what we were told in Isaiah 53, 6, that we all, like sheep, have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord hath laid upon him the iniquity of us all. We've all strayed at some point. He had to go and find us. We need to be more forgiving when he has to do it for someone else. And if we go, have to go along with him to do it, then we should be willing to. The shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. David was a man after God's own heart because he charged the bear to take the sheep out of his mouth. He put the sheep's life ahead of his own. John chapter 10, verse 11. Again, we read the words of Jesus speaking about being the shepherd. You know, David was just a kid whenever God said that he was a man after his own heart. And you say, how can a kid be a man after God's own heart, but I always see that shepherd boy that was willing to risk his life to go save that one little lamb out of the enemy's mouth. And God knew that manifested as Jesus, he would have to do that also. Jesus says in John 10, chapter 11, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. But he that is a hireling And not the shepherd, whose own the sheep are not. They seeth the wolf coming, and leave the sheep, and flee. And the wolf catcheth them, and scattereth the sheep. The hireling fleeth, because he is a hireling, or an employee, and careth not for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep, and are known of mine. As the Father kneweth me, Even so know I the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep, and other sheep I have, which are not of this fold. Them also I must bring. He was speaking to the Jews, and he was talking about the Gentiles. The Jews were a flock, but the Gentiles were a flock also that he said he'd have to go and get. And they shall hear my voice, and there shall be one fold And one shepherd. Therefore, doth my father love me, because I lay down my life, that I might take it again. No man taketh it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again. This commandment I received of my father. Jesus made it very clear that as the good shepherd, he was willingly choosing to lay down his life. He received the commandment from God. It was God's will for him to do it, but God was not robotically making him do it. He was willingly choosing to do it. Um, Experts that look at what happened to Jesus in the flogging and the beatings and all the things that happened prior to the crucifixion will tell you he should have died. He should not have survived the things that happened prior to the crucifixion. Yet, when you read the account of the Roman leaders, they were surprised when they found out that he had died on the cross, because normally it took a long time to die of crucifixion. So the fact that he should have died from the flogging but didn't, and should not have died so quickly from the crucifixion but did, it proved that the devil couldn't kill him and earth couldn't keep him. He willingly, he gave up his soul willingly at the proper moment when everything was completed. Nobody killed him. The devil didn't do it. The Romans didn't do it. The Jews didn't do it. He willingly did it himself. He was the shepherd, the high priest, and the lamb. He led himself to the slaughter as the shepherd. He asked for our forgiveness on the cross as our high priest. He poured out his blood and gave up his spirit as the lamb. He fulfilled the terms and conditions of the covenant made with Abraham. It was all him. We can read this account in John chapter 19, starting in verse 28, where it says, After this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the scriptures might be fulfilled, saith, I thirst. Now there was set a vessel full of vinegar, and they filled a sponge with vinegar and, and put upon it his sap and put it on his mouth. When Jesus, therefore, had received the vinegar, he said, It is finished, and he bowed his head and gave up the ghost. The Jews, therefore, because it was the preparation, that the bodies should not remain upon the cross on the Sabbath day, for that Sabbath day was a high day, Besought Pilate that their legs might be broken and that they might be taken away. So they weren't supposed to leave them on the cross through the Sabbath or through the Holy Day. So they went to break their legs so they would die quicker because crucifixion was very painful and very slow. Breaking the legs would cause them to suffocate because they could no longer push themselves up to breathe and they would suffocate under their own weight and blood. So he says we got to get them down. We can't wait for them to die over a period of a few days like it usually takes. Go break their legs. We need them to die quick. They besought Pilate that their legs might be broken and that they might be taken away. Then came the soldiers and break the legs of the first and of the other, which was crucified with Jesus. But when they came to Jesus and saw that he was dead already, they break not his legs, but one of the soldiers with a spear pierced his side And forthwith came out there blood and water. And he that saw it bare record, and his record is true. And he knoweth that he saith true, that ye might believe. For these things were done, that the scriptures should be fulfilled. A bone of him shall not be broken. And again another scripture saith, They shall look upon him whom they pierced. So Jesus willingly gave up his life after all was completed. Nobody took it. He did it. He led himself to the slaughter as the shepherd. Revelation 7 verse 13 tells us this. And one of the elders answered, saying unto me, What are these which are arrayed in white robes? And whence came they? Or where did they come from? And I said unto him, Sir, you know. And he said unto me, These are they which came out of great tribulations and have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. So he's seeing a great multitude of people wearing white robes, worshiping and singing and praying at the altars of heaven. And he asked them, Who are they? And he says, These are the ones that came out of great tribulation, not just any tribulation, great tribulation. These are saints that have died in the end times, right before the return of Christ. They came out of great tribulation and have washed their robes in the blood of the Lamb, their, their robes are robes of righteousness. Therefore are they before the throne of God and serve Him day and night in His temple. And He that, saith, that sitteth on the throne shall dwell among them. They shall hunger no more, neither thirst any more neither shall the sun light on them or any heat. For the lamb which is in the midst of the throne shall feed them and shall lead them unto living fountains of water, and God shall wipe away all the tears from their eyes. I find this an interesting scripture because he is identified as the lamb whose blood has atoned for them, but he's given the attributes of a shepherd. He will lead them. He will feed them. He will tend to them. Though Jesus is God's lamb, he is our shepherd. The shepherd paints the picture of the one who leads, guides, cares for, tends tenderly, mends, feeds, protects, and positions us in our proper placement as long as we follow him and don't run away. And when we do, still he leaves the 99 behind, to go out and look for you. It also shows the true pastoral character that is represented in Jesus who fulfills all five of the fivefold ministry. We talk about the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the pastor, the teacher, helps, really even beyond the fivefold, helps and miracle, all of these ministries that are listed in the New Testament they're all aspects of Jesus' ministry. We all take our part in the body. He's the head. He's still leading it. We all do a little piece of it. It works together to continue his ministry in this earth. The shepherd attributes of him or the pastor attributes of Jesus. And a true shepherd, a true pastor or pasturer should have the same attributes of the shepherd aspects. Of God. The word pastor actually comes from an Old Testament word, pasturer. And it was kind of like a sub a sub-shepherd, the good shepherd. The shepherd owned the flock. But sometimes he owned a lot of flocks, a lot of sheep on different hills and locations, and he couldn't tend to all of them at the same time. So he had pasturers, which were basically shepherds under him. They did the work of the shepherd. They fed, they led, they tended, they mended. They were there when they were born, they were there when they died but they got all their resources from the shepherd. They didn't own the sheep, and they didn't make final decisions on the sheep either. They fed what the shepherd gave them. Jesse and David, good example. Jesse owned the flock. David tended to his father's sheep, his father's flock. And I think it's important for pastors to remember that it's not their flock. You feed them what the good shepherd gives you. You place them where the good shepherd tells you. If the good shepherd wants to take a ram out of this flock and put it in that flock because he needs something from this flock and that flock, you don't claim it as your own and keep it there. It's not your flock. You're stealing from the shepherd. And I think that there is a temptation for pastors to claim the flock when it's not really their flock. It's God's. These characters of God, as our shepherd, should be present in every pastor or pasturer. As the lamb, Jesus being the lamb, when we become part of his family, we become sheep also. Go ahead and open to Matthew 25, verse 31. Jesus is the lamb. When we become part of his family, we become lambs too. We become the sheep, and sheep need a shepherd. In Matthew 25, verse 31, Jesus tells us this about when he comes again the last time. He says, When the Son of Man shall come in his glory and all the holy angels with him, then shall he sit upon the throne of his glory, and before him shall be gathered all nations, and he shall separate them one from another, as a shepherd divideth his sheep from the goats. Now, Notice what he's saying here. Divided his sheep from the goats. Not his sheep from his goats. His sheep from the goats. He divides them. And he shall set the sheep on his right hand and the goats on his left. Then shall the king say unto them on his right hand, Come ye blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundations of the world. For I was a hungered, and you gave me meat. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came unto me. Then shall the righteous answer him, saying, Lord, when saw we thee a hungered and fed thee, or thirsty, and gave thee drink? When saw we thee a stranger, and took thee in, or naked, and clothed thee? Or when saw we thee sick or in prison and came unto thee? And the king shall answer and say unto them, Verily I say unto you, In so much as ye have done it unto one of the least of these, my brethren, ye have done it unto me. And that's very important because you really have. Because if a person is truly led by the shepherd, then the shepherd is with them. If we are truly following the leading of the Holy Spirit, if Jesus truly dwells in us and is working through us, then what somebody does to us, they do to him, for good or for bad. And the same thing for the brethren. Then shall he say also unto them on the left hand, Depart from me, you cursed, into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was a-hungered, and you gave me no meat. I was thirsty, and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and you took me not in, naked, and you clothed me not, sick and in prison, and you visited me not. Then shall they also answer him, saying, Lord, when saw we thee a hungered, or a thirst, or a stranger, or naked, or sick, or in prison, and did not minister unto thee? Minister means serve. Then shall he answer them, saying, Verily I say unto you, insomuch that ye did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these shall go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into life eternal. The shepherd will separate his flock from those who belong to another. He will judge by the fruits. If you don't think the fruits are important, he said, this is what's going to happen when I come. And what did he do? He judged by the fruits because his sheep hear his voice and they will not follow another. So if they hear his voice and follow his Holy Spirit, then they will produce the fruits of the Spirit, which will manifest in good works. We're saved by grace, which is the empowering of the Holy Spirit through faith unto good works, his will, not your own. Faith at its root is trusting his will. Grace is the power and resources needed to do his will. Good works is walking out his will. It all comes down to giving up your will for his will. It's following the leading of the shepherd and not running away to do your own thing or following the leading of another because there are other shepherds. We are warned in scripture of bad shepherds, of wolves in sheep's clothing. A good shepherd didn't take from the flock any more than he absolutely had to. But the bad shepherds were selfish. We're not going to go through it, but I will give you the reference if you want to read it. Jesus told the Pharisees that they were full of extortion and excess. So I will give you that, that a surefire sign of a bad shepherd is always going to be a spirit of excess. Watch for it. You can read Zechariah chapter 11, Ezekiel chapter 34, and Jeremiah chapter 23 to see what God thinks of the bad shepherds. We're not going to read through them, but they're all words that God spoke very clearly through the prophets to the bad shepherds, telling them that they were taking more than they needed to from the sheep. They were scattering the sheep. They weren't tending to the sheep. They weren't visiting the sheep. They were feeding themselves and not the sheep. God spoke very harshly of them. And in fact, I'll tell you this, you can watch for it. In one of them, I think it's the one in Zechariah, he says, as a punishment for the shepherd that forsakes the flock, the sheep, that he will bring a sword upon the arm and darken the right eye. You'll notice that in the occult or in the media or in the celebrities, you'll see a lot they're doing things like this, or they're covering the right eye. It's a sign. They are pronouncing that my right eye has been darkened. I had a calling, and I gave it up for Satan. When you see it, you know what it is. You can't unsee it. They'll always find a way to cover the right eye and show it. But it's because they know what they're saying. They had a call. They forsook the flock to feed themselves. But Satan gave them a promise, a temptation, and they took it. The devil loves to brag. God, we thank you that you are a good shepherd. We thank you that you are our protection and provision. That your rod, it does comfort us. It brings us peace even in the valley of the shadow of death. That nothing can come in unless you let it. That you have a purpose for each of us and you will protect us. You will provide for us. You will lead and guide us. Lord, help us to seek you daily to seek your righteousness, to walk in the straight path, to follow you closely, to stay where you are. Lord, we thank you that you prepared a table for us in the presence of our enemies, and we thank you that you do it still. Lord, we thank you that you are tender, that you mend our wounds, Lord, the wounds of the heart, the mind, the emotion, and the body, Lord, that you care for us, that you know even whenever we go astray, You come and you look for us. You are so patient with us. We don't deserve the goodness that you bestow upon us. Let us never take it for granted. Help us to rightly represent it, Lord. Because in the end, you will look at the fruits that we produce to see if we were really following you, Lord. Help us to be good shepherds like you, Lord, to rightly represent you to those around us, to be good pasturers. Lord, we pray for those shepherds that have forsaken their flocks, Lord. We pray for those who have taken the temptations, Lord. We pray that the eyes of their understanding would be open and that they would be forgiven, Lord. We know that you spoke many of these parables even to the Pharisees. And after your death, burial, and resurrection, it says many of the Pharisees believed, so some of them were among those lost sheep that you went and got and carried back in, Lord, even them. You love them. We pray for them. We pray that you bring revelation and understanding and conviction to them, Lord, as we pray it for us that we never stray or move away from your side where there is love, mercy, and protection. Lord, we thank you for this lesson, and we pray that you put it in our spirit in these difficult days that are coming, that we do have a shepherd, that you will tend to us, that you, the Lord, our God, Jehovah he will be with us. You won't lead us anywhere that you're not there. So, Lord, speak clearly that we may hear it. Let us fear to not be near enough to hear your voice, Lord. Let it bring wisdom and let it order our steps. In the name of Jesus, amen. This message was brought to you by HOWC Ministries. To learn more about our ministries, please visit us online at heartofworshipchurch.com.